what's going on folks thanks for joining us on another podcast really appreciate you guys joining and before we jump into it let's have a quick word from our partners and we'll jump right into the podcast first off big thanks to boss shot shells um elliot and i are both running the boss shot shells and i had the boss shot shells rolling this weekend on the opener in michigan able to run them out of my satori over under um, on the second day, which was awesome, um, kind of bringing back some of the old guns using the two and three quarter inch shells um, out of that. So that was super cool to be able to kind of bring back an old gun and have it really successful as a waterfowl gun. Copper coated bismuth, they're American made company, um, high quality. You can use smaller shot to get a bigger pattern density than you could with the traditional steel shells. So, um, you know, make sure to check them out. We got a link in the description of this so you guys can check that out another partner i want to tell you about is htr innovations one of the best things about this company is all their products are american made they've got an a-frame a gun stand a quack pack and my personal favorite the layout pad now the layout pad i use all the time in my layout boat it is so comfortable you can sit up with it you can lay it back i've also taken a nap on that thing and you can use it in a field as well now i mentioned the quack pack it's basically just the layout pad with kind of a duck decoy bag attached to it really cool products um, go check it out if you use the pro the product code duck gun that's d-u-c-k space g-u-n you get 10 percent off and free shipping so go to htr innovations and check out what they've got all righty folks big thanks to gunner kennels as well for being um one of our longtime partners of the podcast elliot and i both using the large um, model for taking our labs with us around for duck hunting or training or whatever it is definitely gives you a peace of mind knowing that you got a five star crash test five five star crash test rated um, kennel to put your dog in for the trips you know um, I've said this before but man I'm going on so many trips nowadays it seems and um, it's just perfect for chief he hops right up in there he loves going in there um, and I love putting them in there just because I know he's going to be going to be safe. So, again, American made company, double roto molded sides. They've even shot it with a shotgun at 12 paces with no pellet penetration. Uh, check out Gunner Kennels, guys, um, when you're looking for your dog crate for your best friend. So um, code for that for the podcast. Get you guys a nice discount. Duck gun space 10 and 10 percent off your purchase. Um, I don't know if you guys caught the episode. We had Brent Birch on the podcast, and he is the author of The Grand Prairie, A History of Duck Hunting's Hollowed Ground. And perhaps no other place on the planet is as steeped in duck hunting tradition as the Grand Prairie region of Arkansas. To the people there, duck hunting is a way of life, not just a season. From the first rice crop grown in 1904 to the famed green timber, the book contains over 340 pages detailing the people, places, and events that earned the region the title of the duck gunning the duck hunting capital of the world. Spectacular photography accompanies engaging content written to educate readers on how the Grand Prairie came to be and has sustained the reputation for world-class mallard duck hunting. It's a must-have for the duck camp, the office, or for your off-season duck hunting fix. Fans of Freelance Duck Hunting and the Duck Hunt Podcast can get free shipping this month by using FDHFDG19 at checkout for the re remainder of this month. Awesome. 
Also, I'd like to give a big thanks to Motion Ducks. We just currently had them, or currently, not currently, recently had them on the podcast with us. Um, super awesome guys out there from Washington. Um, and they came up with this awesome type of jerk rig called the Motion Duck Spreader System. And you can put four ducks on it, or you can put seven ducks on it. They have two different systems for that. It gives you real lifelike motion. Um, it sets up in, in seconds, and you can be highly mobile with it. Elliot just made a video this week, so if you haven't seen it in action, jump over to his channel, um, and you can just see the awesome uh, motion you're going to have with this. It's definitely going to be something that we're going to utilize a ton come those no-wind days or late season with the wary birds. Um, we're definitely both excited about it, and you know it's going to be a new tool in our arsenal that's going to help us get getting on those birds um even when the conditions aren't right so definitely go check them out guys motionducks.com 10 percent off free shipping and a free anchor bag when you use the duck gun podcast um promo code and that is duck gun all caps one word so make sure you guys check them out you won't regret it i want to give a special shout out to banded avery and ghg they are one of the newest partners here with the duck gun podcast and they i this season i have decided to switch out all of my decoys over to ghg decoys i've been running the all hen packs of the teals and just this week old fumblements and i got in our decoy anchors we pulled all of these mallard pro xd decoys out put them all on the texas rigs and i can tell you they look so amazing in fact last night when i was putting little georgie out to go to the bathroom i snuck into the garage just to stare at them for a while they are phenomenal um also not only we're we talking decoys but ban and avery have everything you need to outfit yourself for waterfowl hunting so going over to banded.com and check out what they've got really high-end merchandise Alrighty, folks. Um, thanks again. We need to give a big shout out to you guys, the viewers, the listeners of the podcast. Without this, without you guys, we couldn't do any of this. And we really appreciate you guys checking out our partners. Um, anytime you get a chance, just check them out. Um, let them know that we sent you. Um, definitely helps us to keep the lights on and keep the podcast and the content rolling. So um, without further ado, uh, let's jump into this week's podcast. Hey guys, I'm Jordan Fromer. I believe in hunting hard, hunting smart, and having a fun time while doing it. And shooting limits? Well, that's just the icing on the cake. I revel in the journey just as much as the successes it brings. From ducks to dogs to decoys and guns, we'll be talking tactics, strategies, and what it takes to get the job done. Load up and take aim. This is the Duck Gun Podcast. What's going on, folks? I'm Jordan from Duck Gun Chronicles. Got my co-host, Graybeard, the self-righteous, alongside me tonight. <laughs> How you doing tonight, Elliot? You know, there are times in which, around certain things I believe, that I'm not sure if self-righteous would be the right word. But not strong I cer- enough? Opinionated. Opinionated um, in my belief system. Mm-hmm. I think. About certain aspects you start talking about wounding birds and stuff like that i'd probably come off self-righteous i hope not i don't want to yeah i want to express my views and opinions without being self-righteous is just someone with an opinion who acts like a jerk with the opinion right would that be accurate as to what self-righteous would be (laughs) i think it means that you uh think everything is um perfect about yourself but in all reality it's uh you're just like everybody else 
Well, I, I wouldn't fall into that category. I'm hard on myself. No, I'm just yeah, I'm just giving you a hard time. Obviously, well, I don't know. So. It's good to reflect because I know there are certain <laughs> when I get a certain belief system, especially around waterfowl hunting and the ethics of it. I know that um, my attitude, the attitude needs to be of teaching and conversation. And I know sometimes other people's actions make me feel angry. And that's, I think that's improper. I think your, your attitude should be of, of, well, they don't believe the same as me. Let me see if I can try to calmly talk to them. And I think sometimes annoyance is what I feel. And that's not where I want to be for sure. So, <laughs> yeah, not hear you on that for sure. So, um, yeah, I guess let's let's talk about the format of the podcast real quick. So tonight we're going to be running over our hunt update um, for the week. And then uh, towards the end of it, we're going to do um, a little bit of a preseason or beginning of the season um, segment. And we're going to talk about lessons learned from the opener and things to remember before you go in your opener. We know everybody's on their first openers or heading into them. Um, so we're definitely pumped about that. Elliot and I are on different sides of the fence on that right now. So, um, no, definitely excited about that and going to be a good one. So, all righty. You ready to jump into it, Elliot? Let's do it. Okay. So, um, we'll, we'll start with your scouting. So, uh, out there scouting for your opener, um, you guys finding some good birds and everything? Well, we ha- we've got several different scouts going on different locations right what i did last weekend was i scouted for the opener in my my zone here so um, kansas is cut into four zones three of which i actively hunt one of which i have never hunted far farthest western side of the state and so this weekend we are going down to hunt the um early the earliest zone in kansas and so we haven't started hunting that opener yet or or Scouting that opener. Uh, That'll happen all day Friday. So I'm going down, taking Friday off. I'm going, um, Joel Strickland from Surviving um, Duck Season is coming with us. He's going to be here tomorrow. We're driving down. Um, My dad's already down there, and we're going to all day scout on Friday. So um, that hasn't happened yet. But this last weekend, I did scout um, for my opener, which comes in a couple weeks. Actually, I'll be hunting the youth the youth weekend next weekend with Elijah. And so I was really scouting for that plus, plus the opener. And my dad and Elijah and I went out, we took the H 12s and the old town, um, one nineteen sportsman, solo sportsman, which I'm still getting kind of a feel for my thoughts on that boat. And man, that thing glides through the water. I'll say that about that boat. That thing glides through the water. Um, Spectacular little boat. Um, so we went out and of course it's Kansas 2019. So everything is now flooded once again. All our reservoirs are flooded. All of our big rivers are flooded. But we were able to go to a complex that's only about two feet high. So we were, and I don't know this complex very well. And so we were able to get out there in our kayaks and really access a lot more than what we would normally access because of the flooding. And yet it's only a couple feet high. So we could really predict where the vegetation is going to be, how it looked. And and this place is massive. It's about 1,600 acres. And um, I'm not that familiar with it. I'm kind of trying to learn it at this point in time. And man, it, it was so much fun. It was nice and cool out. Um, I recorded the motion duck decoy spreader video, which went, I mean, I love that product. Got to play with that product a little bit more. Um, just found all the open holes and, and imagined where the ducks would come down. And we didn't really see any ducks until about the last hour. We were out there probably four hours. We covered three and a half miles. 
and wow. in, in kind of a circle. This place is so big. We we kayaked three and a half miles, and we did not get to search every place here. I mean, there's still places I did not get to take a look at. Um, so it's just a massive place. But we had it all to ourselves. I brought Izzy with me, which is her, her first time being out um, this year. and was kind of trying to assess, do I think maybe she could hunt? Which I think the answer to that is probably no right now. But um, this place is just a wonderfully beautiful place. Around 5 o'clock, started seeing some wood ducks, and we started seeing some teal. And by the time that we left, um, there was quite a few wood ducks and teal dumping into this one little hole. So um, I feel really good about this spot, and we've got this massive north front coming in in the next couple of days. I think by the youth next week and by the opener, this place can be filled up, filled up with birds. So it was a just a wonderful day out in the field. I apologize, my stupid dog. <laughs> Good old Liz. Yeah. I we mean, definitely, we definitely hit on that before, though. Just kind of the exploring and something new, finding new holes. And like you said, I imagine in the bird circling, it's just, uh, you know, it's just awesome, you know. Um, mm -hmm. You know, and hopefully in season it all comes together, like you're saying, and you seem pretty confident with that. So, but it's just, you know, it is really, really fun to explore new places. And especially when you get to the birds and it all pans out just how you imagine and and all that and and maybe it doesn't and you adjust it kind of a little bit here and there and finding your new holes and all that so i'm definitely super excited for you finding something um, yeah, awesome I, like that i feel like maybe it saved the season because you know we just have so much flood water and this this place has duck food and even with the floods the duck food didn't get washed out just didn't get that high so i feel really i know the birds will use this question is it's so big Will they be spread out? Um, will I be able to really hone in on where they are on this complex? But it was a beautiful day in a beautiful area with my dad and my old dog and, and my young son. It was great. It was a wonderful time. Awesome. All righty. Well, I guess we can jump over to uh, the hunt update for me then. Yeah, I'm, I saw him watch this video, so I'm like, I know you did well, and I kind of know the storyline a little bit, so it's kind of revealing it to me. So this is going to be good. Awesome. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we went out there, Michigan Central Opener. Um, something that I was kind of wanting to do was chasing some of the openers this year for the first time. Kind of came up with the idea. Didn't really know it was a thing, you know, that other people did. Um, you know, until I was talking to someone, like, ah, oh, you're going to chase the opener. So I'm like, ah, oh, that's a cool way to describe it. So... Um, <laughs> so that was kind of the thought with that, you know, my, th my surgery, uh, threw me off the first one, had plans to go to UP, but didn't happen. So, um, uh, central Michigan opener was the first one I could get on and definitely was excited to get out there, um, and get out there. So the plan for that was we were actually going to get to the boat ramp. I mean, the night before and go out there. You know how it is, Elliot, on openers, mm -hmm. just so many people. And, and that's one of the things you're kind of saying, um, hey, you should probably avoid openers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I hate them. You know, yeah. And and they are. There is some some definite, definite, definitely some negativity around openers. But when you don't have anywhere else to hunt or you got to drive another five hours to get somewhere to hunt and you're already driving four, it's like, you know what, I'm going to hunt the opener. <laughs> so, so. Back to the back to the hunt. Um, so we got there to launch the night before, um, and rolled out in the pitch black to a marsh we'd never been before. So 
right then. This was actually hard. I mean, this part is not in the video because it's almost impossible to kind of capture when you're just on the boat with the gear and all that kind of stuff. But we just literally had to search the, the marsh in the dark. Um, and I'd been there one time before and I thought I had a good enough idea to, to get where I wanted to. But we really, we actually couldn't get to where we wanted to because we just kept running into bogs after bog. And, uh, you get there and you couldn't get around it. So All right, but I don't, I don't understand because I'm not familiar with bogs. So, um, what you got there and what were you in and what do you mean you kept running into bogs? So, so when you just, when you're going in the boat, like we'd come up against these, it's just floating dirt pretty much. And it has vegetation that grows on top of it. But if you stand on it, it breaks apart and you go through. And what kind of motor were you guys running on that boat? A mud motor. And it couldn't it just, it, it can't just tear right through it? No, no. It's like, uh, I mean, it's like a bog is like multiple, it's like, I don't know, six inches off the, out of the water. It's like floating by that much. So it's like, I mean, if you push up on a bog, it'll hold your boat up. Like, hmm. uh, it, it'll, I mean, it'll start to push down, but like if you put your foot through it, sometimes I guess you can stand on them, but if you just break through, you break through and, and is it ever over your head? The water under it? Yeah. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, that's could scary. Be. Yeah, it is scary. Bugs are scary. <laughs> uh, I have no but experience or knowledge of, of them whatsoever. I, I have very little. I've just started to kind of get experience with them, but, um, yeah, so we kept running into bogs over and over trying to get where we wanted to go. And so we ended up having to cir circle around. We couldn't find a way through the marsh that we wanted to go, even with the mud motor. It didn't matter. So so you um, basically just run up into dry ground, and and you're like, oh, there's a bog. And so you just have to try to go around it one way or the other? Yeah, and you look, and it's like, oh, it's like 50 yards across. There's no way to get across it. You know what I mean? And they move. They just float around. They change from... Time. I guess I don't know, or they grow, or something. I, I'm not sure exactly how it happens because I'd look on Google Maps and it was clear, but we'd get up there and then it'd be blocked by a bog. Oh wow! Okay. And uh, huh. yeah, so it didn't help that I'd look at Google Maps. You kind of have to know it how to how to get there. So we just kept trying multiple times over and over, and we couldn't get around it. And we'd swing around and try to go and just run into another bog. And it's like pitch black, so it'd probably been a lot easier in daylight, but we could never find a way around. So. Um, we had, you know, two options. That was option one. I wanted to go up in this corner kind of, we, we actually hunted this spot for a uh, teal opener, um, with Ryan. I did anyway. And so I had two spots I wanted to hit up. And so the second spot ended up going that way and we found a clear path through. It took us forever, but we found a clear path through, um, and got, I mean, we we're just busting up birds everywhere. I mean, there were so many birds in this marsh. It was insane. So we ended up going, and getting all the way to a, just another side of the marsh that had a, a lot of like dead trees and stuff over there in the corner. So, um, so, all right. So we, we ended up heading up to a different spot in the marsh and we got over there and, um, like we're bringing so much gear in there. It sounds ridiculous, but, uh, we literally had to, we, had, we didn't have that big of a boat. It's like a 14 foot John boat. There's two of us, two dogs took enough gear to like, supply i don't know six to eight hunters or something stupid for whatever reason but we literally had to make two trips <laughs> so um zach actually that's the guy who hunted with me you guys will meet him in the video but um dropped me off and he went back and grabbed more gear and then um yeah from there he, he got all the gear and came back so yeah we get out there for the hunt and it's the night before 
11 o'clock. I mean, I'll just shoot out the time. That's what time we got there. Um, and we're the first boat out there. Definitely ready to get there. Or uh, Definitely glad we got out there that time. Because, I mean, it was no joke. It was just like boats nonstop from midnight till shooting light. Like nonstop. I couldn't believe it. Um, we got a lot of Michigan listeners in here as well. But I, I feel like people from Michigan are just like a different breed, man. Hardcore hunters and so many of them. So, uh, it was just, there's just people everywhere. And it's like you said, openers, man, I I couldn't, I still can't believe by the time, like it was shooting light, I could just like look around. And like I said, this thing was huge, but there's just lights everywhere. I'd be like, there's a light, there's a light, there's a light, there's a light, there's a light all the way around. Um, we had people go past us and yeah. So I'm like, man, this is going to be world war three by the time it starts. And we didn't have anybody close to us, but there's just a ton of people out there. And must be close, a big area. Yeah, no, it's big. And it was, I mean, I would say it was like maybe 300 yards to the closest person. Um, but That's besides not bad that, at all. Yeah, no, and besides that, there's nobody that we could see. Obviously, we could hear gunshots and stuff. But, yeah, so, um, I mean, we just had tons of time to kill then. We actually slept. Um, we put the quack, pats on the quack packs on the John boat and just slept on there in the water because there was nowhere we could get on dry land we couldn't find anywhere anyways in the dark i'm sure there is places out there but um we just kind of sat there on the boat uh and slept we just slept for a couple hours i mean there's just boats coming non-stop and every time you see a light i want to just shine it at them to make sure they weren't getting too close and all that kind of stuff because i'm sure if you didn't you'd have people set set up too close to you but uh or maybe not we were in a hard spot to get to um but yeah so finally it comes around opener shooting light and i mean it was just crazy the number of shots just shots everywhere um just i don't know it was it was just crazy honestly i've never been anywhere where there's that many shots just all around us as soon as shooting light hit it was like world war Mm three um but yeah that's how it is out of shine bottoms because it's just so expansive and i mean you can hear shots go forever that there's not a, a waking moment that you don't hear a shot hardly yeah yeah which you know honestly that that's uh was one of the negative things to that because uh you'd have birds working and they'd be cupped they'd be committed they're coming in and somebody shoots across the marsh and they just flare off and you're like come on you that's know? so frustrating and so yeah it really is and so we actually had some frustration early on because we set up and we weren't in the right spot you know we've never been out there we've never been able to see that far we were in the area where birds were, but they didn't want to be where we set up at. So we did get some working in there. We did get a few birds kind of right off the bat, first light. But it's like, man, if we would have been like, you know, 150 yards to to a different direction, um, we would have smoked them. You know, we would have been shooting our limit pretty quick. Um, but, you know, we just never had scouted the area, never learned the area before. Uh, but then every once in a while we'd get some cupped in or something like that. And it was like no joke. Every time it seemed that happened, um, somebody would shoot and they'd flare off. I hate that. That's just that's so frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, kind of by midday, though, we were feeling a little a little frustrated. So how many um, birds did you have I mean, by midday? Uh, we had four, which, I mean, honestly, I was super excited about that. But there was a few things that were frustrated. Zach's gun um somebody had laid it down in the sand <laughs> and you you've had prior experience with that receiver yeah. down and like it's just 
something like that. It's so hard to get the sand out. So he could, he was a one shot wonder pretty much all day. There's a couple times he got two shots, but, um, he was oiling his barrel, everything, but it just, it didn't matter. He switched shells, tried different shells. He could get one shot off. So it was just, you know, he was really frustrated about that because there would be a couple times where he'd like hit a bird, like he hit a mallard on in part of the video early on. He took first shot at it and you could see the feathers flew. He was just a tad behind it. Um, and, and then I, I, you know, I miss it my first shot and kill it the second. Well, it's like, if he would have had a shot, he probably would have killed it. I mean, cause he was obviously he was right on it. Um, on his first shot, just a little behind, I'm sure he would have corrected the rest of the way for the second shot. And he hadn't shot a mallard in three years, just due to being, I mean, he's from North Carolina originally or not. That's where he lived prior anyways. Um, but they don't really get mallards down there as we know from people we've talked to from the east coast so he was pretty disappointed about that you know it has has this mallard come in and his gun jams on it and then here i am over here like super excited for the first green head of the season you know? <laughs> poor guy <laughs> yeah um so that was a little frustrating and then just not there's so many birds but we couldn't get them to work or they wouldn't commit all the way they'd circle us and didn't like the set so um, we kept talking about making changes all morning, literally from almost first light, a little after it till um, midday. We'd been kind of playing with the idea of doing changes or making changes, um, but we just didn't for whatever reason. I think we we're just tired and a little lazy or just like, ah, let's just fill it out, see how it's going to go the rest of the day. Like you're going to pick um, up and move all together yeah. or just move your decoys around? No, pick up and move. We did do a little changes, like moving the, the mojo and that kind of stuff, pushing it out a little further just in case they're seeing us instead of the mojos. Um, but, yeah, um, definitely definitely wish we would have made changes sooner because uh, once we made the changes, it was good. But we actually <laughs> – in the middle of the day, we ended up taking turns sleeping on the boat. And <laughs> I mean, honestly, we just had the boat out in the open and everything. It was just like, we almost gave up. We literally talked about, um, like, is this even worth it? Like we only got four birds, like, um, not, I said that in a weird way. Is this even worth it? But like, we're just kind of discouraged and we're like, is it worth it to make a move or should we just go to the campsite and come back the next day? Or, you know, there's so many sh- shots fired, like in this place, it was filled with bird birds are these birds even going to come back for sunday um you know so was there constant things. birds working or did they, did they just die down what was the bird there, like? there'd be some times where it died down for sure but the the birds never would work towards us you know it just seemed like one thing we kept saying was like oh these seem like birds from like late season but uh there's a couple things i just think we weren't hid well enough and we weren't in the right place so the birds didn't want to be there and then also that when we tried to convince them to be there and they'd circle a couple, a couple times, we just weren't hidden well enough. Yeah. So um, that's kind of what I gathered from from that. And then um, so finally we did a little scouting um, and decided we had two places to go to and I actually made Zach decide. I'm like, either spot probably would have been fine, but I kind of wanted to go to this one spot and this other spot we where we could see the group we're pretty sure they limited out in the pool that we could see 300 yards away from us um so we thought about just going where they were um but we ended up going to the other spot and i'm really glad we did it was like a little island with a a tree on it that kind of uh, uh, a natural landmark for us to remember but um we went over there and as we're like gliding into it, i can just see duck feathers everywhere i'm like we're in the right spot. This is going to be the money hole. It's just, I mean, it was literally smart weed everywhere with, with mallard feathers everywhere. I'm like, nice. we're in the right spot. So we get up in there and we throw everything 
we kind of get situated and sit in the cattails and get our gun stands down, um, everything set up. And oh, the other the cool thing I wanted to mention about the hunt is we both had our dogs with them. He has a dog named um, Ellie, and she's white and she looks a lot like Izzy actually. Yeah. Um, and uh, and Chief, and so they got along just fine. Um, but yeah, it was really cool just to have two hunters and two dogs out there. It's uh, one of my favorite things obviously as a as a dog owner is just watching the dogs work and have having fun with that you know and they just save you so much trouble we would have lost i don't even know how many birds because my shooting was a little off it was actually one of my worst shooting days you probably went and looked at the stats already elliot no i'm but, going uh, right now <laughs> freelance <laughs> it's yeah it's on there already so it was one of my worst hunting or my shooting days in a long time um but yeah and, and the ones i'd hit would be crippled because I just feel like I was I wasn't leading them enough or, or something I don't those know those long shots or, no, it wasn't those long shots Elliot <laughs> and um, yeah so but anyways we get up in there and set up and it was no joke it was so we're at, we're at our four birds by this point and it's like five o'clock we get set up so we got like two hours left of shooting light we hop up in the the cattails throw out our set and it was just did like a mini set we did like 10 mallards and like five teal and a mojo there's lucky duck whatever um (laughs) anyways so we set up in there and it was like 10 minutes after we set up and the first mallard works all the way in we just call it and he works all the way in cupped all the way feet down and i mean he would have landed and we shot him right there and so it was just like night and day difference from the other spot where we were just getting passing shots or they just work us a few times and flare off um and i'm like oh buddy it's on it's gonna be on right now and so i didn't even have time to put my gopro on or anything so i didn't get that on footage the first one coming in but after that it was just like um i mean we could work birds we had like flocks of um like 15 to 20 that I that we would turn we'd call and they'd turn and work towards us again honestly I don't think the concealment was where it needed to be because those circled right above us with that many eyes um they flared we could have shot them where they were you know 30 yards above us but we wanted them you know cupping in so especially after you see a group do that right you're not gonna take a passing shot when you have birds working in already but um, I mean, it was just we had groups, a group of six work in all the way, cup down, and we shot a couple out of that, um, you know. But mostly it was just pairs and singles, or we'd have birds working us, and one would commit all the way, and we'd just take the solo. So it was honestly, we never had where we shot more than two birds out of it, um, and most of the time it was just one bird coming all the way in. But it was just super cool. I mean. Um, when you can work birds like that, just call, they'd be flying across the marsh and they would just turn and they'd look at us and they'd work and they'd circle and come in and we just had it over and over. It was like one bird would finish and the others would still be working and we'd always just take the solo, um, which there is an argument to let that one land and work the other ones, but we were just so ready to shoot them every time. Um, I mean, I felt like we were pretty, um, efficient that way as far as, I mean, with, with all the birds working, even if we're nickel and diamond them all day. Um, we got the birds working in. So, you know, a couple things to note about that was um, I did, we, we shot the first widgeon that I ever shot. So um, we both shot it. I don't know. We we've, we kind of honestly argued about it a little bit, who actually shot it. So um, I'll give you, Elliot, you can, you can tell me your opinion on this. So 
I shot I shot the widgeon first. The widgeon comes in, cupping up, it comes across my side, and I shoot it. And it literally like starts doing somersaults. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it kind of like it gets its wings behind under it again, um, even flapping. But it's heading towards the water, crippled. And then uh, Zach shoots it again, and it literally crumples when he shoots it, and it falls into the water. So mm-hmm. who do you give that to on a split? It was definitely heading down. It was definitely going to the water, and his uh, he's like he's like if I didn't shoot it, then we never would have found it. Which we lost birds at that distance that were crippled. We had two that landed in a similar location, um, but we also got birds that went out there as well. So it's like, you know, I don't I don't give him any like hard. I, I wouldn't give him a hard time about taking the shot. If it was the other way around, I would shoot the bird again too to like help out or whatever. Um, but it's definitely going down as a cripple. <laughs> yeah, I'd say that you can. Uh you just have that that goes either way yeah that's what i felt and that's what i said in the video i'm like we split it we're both at four birds one of us has to put it on our game strap and i put it on mine so yeah i mean if it's obviously going down you know that's the type of thing you just call split on and then wait and see how the hunt progresses and be like well just take that one you know because it's yeah. hard it's hard to tell sometimes yeah well the thing also is too that neither one of us had shot a widgeon <laughs> yeah <laughs> so it's that- like that one had huge white wing patches yeah, too. Yeah, it's just like uh, it's just like um, <laughs> and we we did that on a couple mallards where we definitely split them, but like nobody says anything about it, nobody cares, right? We've all shot mallards, but when it's a widgeon, we're like back and forth, like a little yeah. bit, kind of. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I shot him. He's definitely going down. Yeah, we never would have found him if I didn't shoot him. So it's kind of like. <laughs> You don't know you that. Know, those you things. don't know that. You know could've, that. I mean, yeah, you could say that. Yeah, no, I mean, Chief would have found him. I wouldn't have. But, uh, <laughs> so, yeah. Um, someone just asked if it was a Gadwell, but his, oh, it's a joke. So, anyways. Um, <laughs> <laughs> poking fun at me. Um, but, yeah. So, um, no, that's that's pretty much the end of the, the first day. So we ended up, by the time we got there from like 11, we didn't get back out of the marsh till it was like 9, 9.30. And the whole time we're like wearing waders and we never were on dry ground. So it was just like a super long time to be in the marsh. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I texted you that and you said, oh, that's full immersion, all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. So, I mean, have you done that a lot before? Not a lot. Like when, what time did you come out of the marsh? Like 9.30 that night. Oh, wow. That's very, very rare. We do a lot of days that we go into like three or four, but walking in the dark and walking out in the dark is very, very rare. Uh, But the the wonderful thing about it, I have had a couple of them, those, is that that is as immersive of an experience as you can have because you said what, you were in the marsh like 24 full hours or something? It was was just shy of that. It was probably like 22, 23 I, I call it watching a marsh breathe because when you're when you're in it from sun up to sun down, it's a completely different experience. And I'm assuming midday people started clearing out. You had some feelings of like we're kind of in here more by ourselves than at the beginning of the day. Yeah, but it's like I said, Michigan people, man, they they're they're hardcore about their hunting for sure. Because I feel like a lot of areas they wouldn't have stayed as long because there was groups in there well into like two o'clock yeah um and more than i expected i thought everyone would clear out nine ten o'clock maybe 11 like normal but it's also the opener yeah so there's a couple things to think about there but um no they definitely 
were in there pretty long. And then by the end, like as soon as the last people kind of left from there, it was like more people came back in for the evening. Yeah. Normally there's a 10 o'clock to 2 o'clock window where it really thins out. But the the cool thing about we talk about freelance stuff kind of immerse, immersing yourself in the environment. It's like you no longer feel like a visitor. You become so comfortable with it. It's like you're just a predator there, you know, and you've been there <laughs> hours and hours and hours. And, and when you leave and you go back and you're at your hotel or your house or whatever, it, it's a different emotional feel to pull yourself out of it after that. I know I had one hunt. I'll just real, real quick. We went and camped the night before, and um, we went like 20 hours without hardly shooting anything. We slept there and just nothing. And my dad and my brother-in-law left. This north wind came and hit with like a 20-mile-an-hour wind. I shot all my ducks in like the last 30 minutes of the hunt. And, awesome. man, I had completely immersed myself in that. It was more than – it was probably, yeah, right right at 24 hours, right at 24 hours. And there's something really, really special about spending that amount of time in a marsh. Yeah. Especially when you have a good hunt and shoot your limit and, you know. Yeah. No, it was awesome for sure. It was awesome being in there. It's something I've never done. And, like, partway through the hunt, I'm like, this isn't as awesome. But then, like, as those birds start working in and everything, it's just like, man, we persevered. This is awesome. We worked through it, having these birds work. And literally, we're, like, both saying, like, we got to shoot our limit. Like, it's uh, it's times winding down and these birds keep working in. And we could have. We could have. We shot better. Um, he had the cycling issue all day. So, I mean, if you're shooting a single shot, it's a lot harder to shoot your limit. That's for sure. Um, but you shot your limit. Yeah. And so, I mean, we're both at, like, it was, we're both at four birds with probably 30 minutes left. And then I had that widgeon work in, pop that. And then I had a green wing till another passing shot come behind us and, uh, was able to knock that down too. Um, but yeah, I was just, it was we were we were freaking pumped about that. So yeah, I bet it sounds so much fun. I bet is that one of your favorite hunts of your life? I'm wondering. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I think so for sure. I definitely, yeah. Because your species that. list I mean, was not. you haven't shot many uh, full species. Like you were one duck away from shooting six different ducks: blue wing teal, green wing teal, mallard drake, mallard and widgeon, and wood duck drake. So yeah. you were one away from and they're going all, six all different puddle species. ducks. So it's like what other you could have shot like a black duck or. Um, Shoveler, pintail, shoveler. So there were still some options, but Mm -hmm. yeah, it was like first one I shot was bluing. Second one I shot was mallard or no wood duck. Next one I shot was a mallard. Um, The next one after that, well, we split some mallards. And then next one on my game strap was a mallard hen. Um, And then the widgeon and then the green wing. So almost six different ducks when you got one hen in there too. So. What an oh, epic hunt. That's really bonding with the person you're with to have a hunt like that, too. Yeah. No, it was, it was pretty cool, too. And Oh, yeah. The other thing is, like I said, we brought a ton of uh, gear in. Like, we brought the grill in. We cooked breakfast before. We cooked mm-hmm. lunch on the grill right off the boat, all kinds of stuff like that. So, um, But <laughs> we were just so dead. And so, literally, we, uh, we, we got back to the boat launch. We had to – oh, actually, I forgot a short segment in there. So, early – on in the second and when he went back to get the second part of the gear because i stayed there he went to go get the second part of the gear he actually rode the boat up onto a bog and on accident he ran into it and it started to take on water (laughs) so he's by himself the boat literally ramps up and the back end starts taking on water he like jumps on it like lays flat to try to like put more counterweight on it and there's a toolbox in the back and he rips it open and starts bailing out water so that the boat doesn't go under (laughs) 
Oh, my gosh. So, so we lost the gas tank that way, too, or, or the gas in it got watered down, so you couldn't use it anymore. Um, but, yeah, so we had to get the get more gasoline and get out, and um, we went to B-dubs, and, you know, it was a perfect time to go take a dump. Um, <laughs> but, you know, we, went, we literally were out of the marsh for, like, just a few hours, and we came back to the boat launch. We wanted to be the first people in again the next day, and we just slept there. So we went from, like, two hours of sleep the night before to sleeping at the boat launch and we were so unbelievably dead at the boat launch that we slept and we just woke up randomly i did i woke up randomly and there's already people at the boat launch already people have put boats in and so oh man so hold on whoa even... whoa whoa you came back from that all day hunt at 9 30 and then just slept there no we went we went to b-dubs first and then went back to the launch and slept. Oh my the, gosh! Sitting up, we sitting up straight in the truck, and I slept like a baby for like four hours. But the thing was, we neither one of us set alarms. We overslept. We were going to get up earlier than that and be the first ones back on the marsh. But people literally were already there. Like I woke up to um, someone parking their boat, their empty boat trailer in front of us. <laughs> <laughs> what time was we're that first like, boat? I uh, I don't know. I don't even know. I don't even think that was the first one. But uh, there yeah, was that's boats nuts, man. You guys, after that full satisfying day, I might have just been like, let's call it a weekend. That was so much fun. <laughs> I'm completely satisfied. That's yeah, balls. Well, yeah, we we <laughs> we thought about it, but we're like, we're already here. It's four hours, and honestly, we actually left some of our gear at the spot. And if we had enough, it would have been super tempting to do what you said. Like, just be like, you know what? <laughs> we had a great hunt. Let's go home. But we had our gear out there. There's no other way to do it but go back out there. So, um, yeah, we, we went out to that same exact spot we did on the part two hunt set up, um, got set up in there. And, uh, again, the birds were just working in right from the morning. I mean, we found the right spot. Um, only problem was, so this is another, yeah, the, we didn't, we weren't playing the wind right at the first spot. And then the wind changed. And, again, the second spot, we weren't playing the wind right again. So that's something... How'd you play it wrong? What do you mean? What do you mean you weren't playing it right? Uh, it was coming like uh, over our shoulder, so the birds you had set to up like the... cup what? in. We should. The birds were coming over your shoulder. That... Yeah, they'd have to like circle in around our back. Why'd you set up like that? From like, it, the wind wasn't like that when we first got there. Ah, uh, okay. So it was a crosswind. We we felt good with that, but then as the as pretty much a shooting light came, then it switched. Mm. And same thing, we had a crosswind. We're like, well, this spot was money yesterday. Let's just hunt it at a crosswind, and then it switched to right in our face. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, getting back to that second day, we we set up in the same spot. Again, we have birds working. We're shooting birds, but again, we actually run into a problem where the birds are flaring. And, you know, something that I just kind of learned from this, the first day, I'm like, you know, we need to make these changes right now. Um, not just watch them and have the same thing happen over and over. Let's fix it now. So I'm like, we need to push back into the brush. There's this tree right here. We can get right against it. We got good front cover. But with the wind where they're coming around behind us, they have to literally circle around and cup in. Um, they're seeing us and not getting close enough for a shot. So we end up doing that. And right away, we start shooting birds again. So it just is like... I don't know. It feels great when you make the right choice, when you like see the problem and learn from your mistakes. And it's like, I already knew these things, but we were just doing it, you know, first hunt. Sometimes you just get excited or try to be like, ah, they're not really going to matter. But, um, you know, learning from those was great mm -hmm. and seeing it work right away, getting kind of like that immediate feedback that, oh, we're doing the right thing now. So, 
um yeah for the rest of the day we, we kept shooting mallards um we ended up shooting one wood duck and three mallards uh we lost one more um out in the bog kind of went went down um and they just would dive in there they'd dive in the water and like go under the bog it felt like because we never could find them after they dove um we did have one really cool one where i shot it and it got winged again i think my shooting was a little off uh but it hit real hard in the water and sent chief after it and this thing was just flying and chief was flying after it right in front of us so that was awesome he chased it way out there it dove and i ran after him in the water with my gun i'm like he's gonna need help um and he dove and went away from him you know and came out and i shot him and you know i was so excited about that retrieve because it was like perfect teamwork for me and chief he's running out there it dives it goes away i clean it up um, give him the over signal to go get it. And he grabs the dead bird and comes back. It's just, you know, I don't know. Yeah. That right there is like the pinnacle of duck hunting for me. <laughs> Everything you worked on this, it worked for this summer with all the training, right? Yeah. No, I mean, he is a thousand times better. I mean, he's, it's just like his maturity. Yeah. Um, like he understands the game. He knows what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, there's very little that I had to get on to him about. I mean, we actually did have one and I hate to say the bad things about it, but, um, we actually had so i don't know which dog did it uh but we had one bird that i found and like the back feathers were pulled off of it and i'm like and actually i literally um i i i, <laughs> I blame zach's dog for it at first i'm like hey man uh it looks like your dog ripped some feathers off this bird and i'm like showing him I'm like man that's not good um and he's like oh she's never done that and i'm like yeah chief's really never done that either um and so <laughs> Um, then we're sitting there on the boat ride back and I see chief and he's, he took like this little chunk out of the wood duck, like a feathers. I'm like, you uh. gotta be kidding me. <laughs> <laughs> and so, but I guess I left a little bit out of the story. So, um, we're trying to take pictures and duck hunters, we always do goofy stuff for pictures. So I'm trying to get chief to hold a duck for the picture, you know, put it back in his mouth. And the bird I choose is the one without feathers on the back. <laughs> and when that bird like hit his mouth, like chief went like, ex- like he was ecstatic. He was like, Oh, this is awesome. Like, I don't know if it's like the open flesh or whatever. Like I couldn't get the bird back away from him once. <laughs> and like, normally he's not like that. He's like, you know, he doesn't really want me to put a bird back in his mouth that we're not retrieving. He's like, yeah, we already did this. It's over. Um, but anyways, after that, it's like, you got a taste for it or something. So I still don't know. And I don't want to say anything about bad about anybody else's dog. So I still don't know what happened to the first bird. All I know is that after I put that bird in chief's mouth, that he ripped some feathers out of the wood deck. And honestly, it was probably him both times then. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so there's, yeah. And he's, uh, that's really annoying. So, yeah, um, my dad's dogs have done that in some of this. In fact, uh, some of my dad's dogs, if you're not watching, they just eat the bird. Like, man, <laughs> yeah, it's not good on. either. No, no. Yeah. Izzy certainly would do, so, wouldn't do that. I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to get, figure out that for him, but I didn't, I don't know how to punish him. I just like grab his muzzle, like tell him no and squeeze it down. And okay, like, you're probably not going to be able to break him. Just keep the birds away from him. So what you really? Do. Yeah, maybe. I mean, you can train him to not do it when you're, when you're looking. <laughs> I guess that's right. it's the because when you scold him, it's just like you're just training him to be like, okay, don't do that when I'm looking, or you're in trouble. You know, <laughs> yeah. don't get caught yeah. doing that. Yeah. So, well, I looked up your stats. You were six for twenty three <laughs> on that day, <laughs> but um, yeah. it was actually it was actually seven because I lost a bird. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Does um, it not say seven? What? 
on the stats? Uh, I thought it said six. It said six. Oh. For, six for 23. Well, I'm, I wrote it in wrong. It should be seven. Do you feel like that your um, slump is officially over? From last year? Yeah. Or? Yeah. Well, the next day, the next day, which is weird, I, I switched shotguns. I switched to the over-under. I've never shot a duck with it. This first time I shot a duck. And um, I shot really well with it. Yeah, I don't mean I don't mean shooting percent because your shooting percent uh, right now is is good. It's at forty four percent. But it's just as far as last year, it was such a struggle for you as far as your oh. hunts just didn't pan out. This year on eight hunts, you're averaging three point one birds. So I didn't know if had you feel like fully vindicated. Like okay, got that <laughs> out of my system. I don't want to say that yet because it's like my season hasn't even opened yet. Rick, I've all I've done is travel to other spots, and to have that amount of birds killed per hunt. And traveling around, I think, is amazing. Sure, so, yeah. I yeah. mean, because I've, I've hunted uh, Michigan till season, Michigan early honkers, um, Kansas till, then I went back up to Michigan again, hunted it somewhere I've never been before or never hunted Big Duck. I pretty much has never been there because we went and hunted the far side of this marsh from where we did till, just kind of eyeballing it, and we shoot a limit. So it's like, mm-hmm. from what I've, you know – yeah for what's transpired with this season i don't want to say yet because it's like i haven't even hunted indiana yet but so far with this traveling i think traveling and and somewhat freelancing it opposed to you know coming with you Mm -hmm. which we didn't have that great of kansas hunts Mm -hmm. i mean i was high on the numbers because i think you guys were letting me take some shots um but yeah no i I definitely am super happy about where i'm at right now and and hope that it's a good indicator of the rest of the season well the tables have kind of turned really because this so this year i've got the stats up in front of me from freelancehuntstats.com and and on on the site if you're a paying member you can join with you can join your account with anyone else's account so jordan and i have a crew called um, duck gun podcast we can see each other's stats and our cumulative stats and right now you've got eight hunts 25 birds for 3.1 average and I've got six hunts, 10 birds for 1.6 average. So it's like a complete flip from last year so far. Yeah. Now, I will say there was a lot of hunts where I'm just filming um, and not really being aggressive. But still, that's my choice, you know, um, to do. Yeah. And normally I can do that and still shoot limits, um, especially early teal. So we're 14 hunts, 35 birds, 2.5 per hunt, 46% shooting percentage. So you're keeping our stats in in the decent range. I need I need a good weekend, man. I need a good weekend. Yeah. No, I hope you do. I think I will. I think I will. Yeah. But I'm I'm content with the um, season so far. I'm I'm having a lot of fun. There was two hunts where I got skunked um, out of the six. So whatever. Or no, three three hunts out of this half of them. It's fine. Yeah. It's, it, you know, I'm still enjoying every second of it. I'm really happy that you're off to such a good start. You may you may be staring at that hundred number here. You got you're you know it's not even hardly October. You got 25 birds. Yeah, well, if I'm keeping up this amount of hunting, which honestly, with everything we've got going on, from the trips I'm doing to going out to Kansas for our extended hunt through there, um, who knows? We'll we'll see. We'll have a better indicator kind of as the season goes on, but. Um, That'd be excellent. <laughs> so how many birds did you end up with that second day? Three? You personally had three that second day? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So actually, and I, I lost one. Or actually, no, I think Zach lost one that day. So we both lost one, but it's opposite who lost one each day. So, yeah. Well, between the both of us, you and I have 14 hunts and only one loss. That's a, that's a, that's my favorite 
stat to keep track of and to try to work on is is lost i do not like losing birds and so um you know you've only lost one and i haven't lost any so we're man that's that yeah. 0.071 birds lost per hunt is a really really low number the site average you know to- what it'd be an we always go over this like what would be another cool stat or mm-hmm. whatever but um like you said the lost bird stat that's a super cool one mm-hmm. but if you had like a check mark for do you have a dog or no and mm-hmm. you know many people have said dogs are the number one conservation tool yeah or i think that's how the phrase goes but uh that i can tell cool. you right now um with that hunt and just my shooting kind of being where i'm hitting them knocking them down but they're still alive that's the ones you lose mm-hmm. and I, I seriously we, we would have lost without uh chief and ellie i mean i think we would have lost like five or six it would have been something stupid yeah yeah um but i mean they tracked them down every single time and in heavy brush uh you know they'd land in the water and they'd go running off into the cover and chief would tear into there and pull it back you know it'd be and it was just that kind of stuff it's just mm-hmm. Like I said, that's the pinnacle for me, man. I love that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. It is wonderful. Um, you know, the global stat um, in 290 hunts this year recorded on uh, Free Hunt's Hunt Stats is 0.25 birds lost per hunt. So that's one out of every four hunt a bird is lost. And your and mine combined is 0.07. So that would be less than one out of ten. So that's that's really great. I mean, for it to be that that below um, the normal average for everyone, I, I just love that stat. It's just yeah. well, really great. I guess it might be a good indicator for you not having a dog as much this year. We'll see how that changes for you too. Yeah, true. Very, very true. Very true. We'll see because I know how many I lost. I only lost two all year last year, and and certainly there were some birds, um, especially crippled mallards, when they get swimming away. I think that's the number one. Um, place that it'll show up is you get those dogs yeah. tracking them down and, and wearing them out and, and getting them when they're diving and diving. I, I do anticipate losing a few more, but hopefully Candle Candle will be back, I think, before that time happens. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Awesome. So to wrap up my hunt real quick, um, we ended up leaving like 10 o'clock. And if we would have stayed till noon, I think we would have shot our limit. Um, the birds were working still. I mean, as we were leaving, we had, or as Zach was pulling out the boat, um, we had another group of three cupped in and committed and I'm like, <laughs> don't get the boat. Like, but he comes flying out, you know, to get the decoys and mm-hmm. they go flaring off. And, um, you know, as we were searching for that duck, we still had the one that we lost. Um, we still had birds working in. I mean, we would have definitely been able to scratch them out and keep them, having the mallards come in. So I, I can't say for sure we would have shut our limit, but we would have doubled our birds from four to eight and who knows what else we would have got in there. So, um, but yeah for the whole weekend it was awesome uh, i'm definitely glad i got out there for central michigan shout out to ryan uh, i know he listens to the podcast a lot so thanks for uh, giving me the tip off for the spot so um all right let's jump to kind of our ending note we wanted to give you guys our lessons learned from the opener and elliot's going to throw in um things to remember um for everybody else who hasn't been on the opener going into it so um let's jump over to that are you want me to go first? Um, you know, I'll go first, I All guess. Right. So first first thing, um, 
and I didn't mention a second hunt or I did. Yeah, I did mention it. We were out in the front. We moved back. If you don't have the concealment, I mean, get the concealment. Um, if you have more top cover, you can push back into, even if you're going to be further away from the decoys, if you have birds finishing opposed to just passing shots, you're going to end up shooting more and um, just having a better, you know, better hunt altogether. So concealment, concealment's king. It's always going to be. Absolutely. Totally agree. My first one on opening day is make sure you have at least four valid options for where you want to hunt. We try to have even six or seven so that when you go in there, if there's someone that's beat you into your A spot, you go to B, you go to C, you go to D. Have as many spots lined up so that you don't feel that um, pressure to, to end up and walk in on someone and sit up too close to them. Four spots is the minimum. I'd say we tip, we try to have seven. Awesome. <laughs> um, I will say that um, make changes when you need to, you know, kind of gut feeling, especially if you know what you're doing. A lot of the, the veterans, you guys are going to know what you need to do. Um, you got a gut feeling to make a change. Don't wait. Just do it. Um, you know, my experience, it's it's better to make a change than let the birds work and, and they're not going to do anything different. Once you've seen it a few times, that's what they're going to do for the rest of the day unless something changes with the weather or the sun or something like that. So if you got changes, go ahead and, you know, go for them. My next one is get there early enough. And this kind of ties into the first one of four options. You want to get there early enough that if there's people that have beat you in to multiple locations that you are still there and, and well in enough time to go and do what you need to do to get set up. Um, I think the the number one or the, the number one thing that leads people to setting up too close to other people is is both of these time and not having enough options because you walk in and someone's in your spot and you're like, oh my gosh, time's running down. What am I going to do? I throw out decoys and set up too too close to this guy. You know, so um, make sure you get out there early enough to that you have plenty of time to go through your options. Yep. Um, and mine almost goes like almost goes hand in hand with this a little different, but uh, don't leave too early. So a lot of people, um, especially on opener, you know, well, any time of the year, people leave pretty early a lot of times. Um, but you can shoot a lot of birds in the afternoon or evening, especially when those people start to leave. You can you know, have birds being picked, picked up, uh, being kicked up by people leaving their boats, walking, whatever it is. So don't leave too early, kind of wait that out. Um, and usually openers, there's a lot of birds. So you might even get them working back in the, in the evening. So, um, persevere, you know, make, make it for the grind and plan on your opener staying longer. Next one I've got is to respect your prey. Um, you know, we love to hunt and we love to hunt ducks and we love to eat the ducks. You want to make sure that you are doing it as ethically as possible. That means knowing your shooting range limitations, limiting that third shot so you're not leaving birds crippled flying away. And and when you have a wounded bird in your hand, make sure to pay attention to what you're doing so that you can cleanly dispatch that bird. And if you don't feel like that you're very good at ringing birds next, get a finisher and take care of it. I've heard a lot, of, a lot of stories where, you know, guys are trying to ring birds next and, and there's, they see another group coming in, they just kind of throw it down in the bucket and the thing's not dead and it crawls into the marsh. So, you know, respect these birds. They're worthy 
of your respect and to clean, to kill them as quickly and cleanly as possible. And don't take shots that are going to leave multiple birds flying away with steel in them. All right. Um, next I got spread size. So, um, we all get excited for opener. We all want to go and, um, you know, pack as much gear as possible for the long hunt, you know, everything we got. And so I kind of fell prey to that this year. Uh, I packed up, I think it was like four and a half dozen decoys and I was, you know, set to use all of them. So we got to the spot and it was a smaller hole. We didn't need to use all of them. Um, and we actually were more successful later on with a smaller spread. So, um, just because you have all the decoys doesn't mean you need them. Sometimes the right place, big spreads awesome, but you know, use the correct spread. Don't just get gear happy going into opener. You still gotta, you gotta play the game, right? Um, now opening day guys, we are all get really, really excited. When you get excited, your heart starts beating and, and you just want to get out there and pull the trigger. And we all do but you don't have to pull the trigger at every single bird that you think is in range. If, the, if a hot hunt breaks out and it's like birds flying everywhere and you shoot one and you're out in the decoys trying to retrieve it and another one wings by, you don't have to pull the trigger on that. Just take your time. It's a lot more fun to sit there and let the birds come into the decoys, kill them over the decoys, than just pulling the trigger as fast as you can. There's no bonus prize for getting a 15 minute limit. It's a lot more fun to shoot a 45 to an hour and a half limit than a 15 minute. You're going to enjoy it more. You're going to remember it more. So, you know, I know we all like down on those birds, but just take a deep breath. Act like you've been there before and done it before. You don't have to pull the trigger at every single bird that you think's in range. All right. And um, next I got wind direction. Guys, make sure you... Um, do your due diligence on wind direction. Um, it's not just good enough. When you, I mean, when you've gone to all the extent to get out there early, to scout the spot, get there um, first, you know, set up your big spread, bring all your gear, all that, um, and then all you do is kind of test the wind where it's at right now. Uh, make sure you check your apps, check your weather channel, whatever you got to see kind of the future cast on wind. Make sure you're playing the wind right. You know, you've gone to the full extent already to get out there and everything wrong, right. So make sure you just finish it off by getting your wind right and playing your wind right for the hunt. And my last one is probably the most important, and that is safety first. This is something that we do sometimes that we should do all the time before the hunt starts. Pick up your gun. Think about what your shooting lanes are. Um, and make sure you're spaced out enough in between you and the other guys. Actually pick up your gun and say, okay, I can shoot from this point on my left to this point on my right. I cannot go any farther than that. And when those birds come in, it, it, I know you're excited. You got to keep calm and cool because safety is the most important thing. And, and unfortunately, accidents absolutely happen. I know someone personally that was shot out hunting. I was almost shot out hunting on occasion. So just take, you know, no duck is worth you getting shot or, or someone in your group getting shot. So be careful. All right. And to finish it all off, um, make sure you guys to have fun. Um, at the end of the day, that's what we're out there for. Not every hunt's going to go perfect. 
Um, there's going to be things that get frustrating about it, but you know, on this, this opener, there's one point where I was a little frustrated and I just had to sit back and, you know, think about it. I'm like, Hey man, I'm back out here doing what I've loved. We waited for this all season long. I got a green head on my strap. I don't necessarily have as many birds on my strap yet as I want. Um, they're not working like I want, but you know, it's just kind of all about mindset. And once you kind of relax and just have fun and be thankful to be out there, um, you know, you're just going to have a lot better time regardless of the number of birds you, you're getting or how everything else is going in the hunt. Amen. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that wraps it about up. So plans for next weekend, Elliot, you got your central zone opener. Yep. We got the opener. I'm headed out Thursday. Going to scout all day Friday, hunt Saturday, hunt Sunday. I fully anticipate this being a really, really good hunt weekend. I will be very surprised if we don't do really well. Awesome. And, um, I'll be heading back up to Michigan. Don't know my exact plans yet, but I will be hunting as well. So um, we're in the full swing, Elliot. We're finally here. We've made the long wait. Big duck season's here. I mean, it's felt like it's been here forever. It's just been nonstop for both of us. But, um, you know, this is really where, where our bread and butter is. We both love getting out there for the big ducks. And, you know, season's here. Yep, I totally agree. This September has been extremely frustrating, because mainly because the heat and the and the high water so to have this cold front coming in and know that there are big ducks now around it's really duck season it's the opener for real awesome all right well that's all we got for today folks and thanks again for joining us for another one you guys are awesome couldn't do it without you guys tuning in week after week um but yeah good luck to everybody else going out in the openers and uh, looking forward to seeing those pictures in the Fellowship of the Duck Gun. All right, guys, I'm Jordan from Duck Gun Chronicles, Elliot from Freelance Duck Hunting, and we'll see you guys on the next one.